It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. You're listening to The Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Well, welcome back, everyone, to The Noise Cancelling Pod. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. We're glad to have you back. It's been another, you know, slight uh, slight break for us. Uh, five months or so. I, I just listened back, and uh, your youngest was only uh, four months old the last time that we spoke. So so how's that going, number one, with two kids? It, the degree of difficulties increased with two of them, and now he's just started, like, Jimmy is egging him on, and he is egging Jimmy on. So now they're just both not listening and then they just start laughing to each other and then jimmy's jumping on the couch kwame starts laughing about it so then she wants to jump even more so they're they're now teaming up so it's getting it's getting interesting <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'll be curious to know the next time we record what what new shenanigans are going on uh another big change since the last time we recorded congratulations on your retirement Lieutenant Colonel retired Axel Clark. How does it feel to be out? Uh, it's pretty, it's exciting. We had the the ceremony, so I'm in my, I think we talked about this a little bit. I'm doing a Skillbridge internship for the next few months. And so we've had my retirement ceremony and I took some time off. And now about four weeks ago, I started my job as a software engineer uh, for this Skillbridge internship. It's got to be one of the stranger transitions for a lieutenant colonel, but <laughs> how's it going so far? I know it's, can you tell us a little bit about the company and how your job's going so far? Yeah, so the company's called Beacon, and they're working on creating a marketplace to buy and sell small businesses, mostly brick and mortar small businesses. And so it's going pretty good. So some of the things I've worked on, just small things to get started were, uh, when you go to see a listing, uh, like a small business listing, the the way that they showed you similar listings was pretty was based exclusively on the location. Mm. But some people may want to see other similar listings in the next day over. So I reworked the algorithm, if you will, to figure out which listing should be shown uh, as a similar listing. So that was the f- first thing that I worked on. That's awesome. I always hate that when you're searching on something and it's like you you haven't noticed that you didn't remove like the city boundary for like the, the first five minutes of searching. So I appreciate appreciate you updating that for us. Save me save me five minutes someday in the future when I'm yeah. randomly looking through business <laughs> businesses <laughs> that are for sale. Yeah. So it's but it's going well. I, I was not really sure how uh like how my skills that I worked on kind of on my own would translate, but I'm pretty lucky because the the system they have is very similar to what I worked on before. And so I've mostly been able to step in and start contributing once I started understanding how they've set everything up. That's awesome. I mean, that's pretty crazy considering you've only been there for a couple of weeks. 
Uh, I know we were talking, I, I got to visit Axelot in LA, uh, I think it's now three weeks ago, and we're, we're chatting a little bit about the advantages of being in a small business, like a smaller company versus, you know, being in the military or being for a large corporation. You didn't have to go through the two and a half weeks of training online, different tools and HR policies. That's true. They did have a pretty good, for a small company, they had a, a fairly built out notion set of documents that's kind of that was their onboarding and some of their uh, background on the company so i was actually really impressed with the onboarding process that's awesome you might say i mean i'm probably the best of all worlds where you actually get some good onboarding but you don't have like yeah. for my, my most recent job transition i had about 80 hours of hr and cbt's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah I did a, not take a C, a single CBT during my own onboarding process. So that that's that pretty nice. awesome. Yeah. Well, everyone, we have a real treat tonight for episode 53. We have a guest it is our first guest. I even looked this up since episode 31 over six years ago. So it's it's long overdue. Um, and I, I'm very excited. It's a, a friend of mine from. Boston Scientific. He's a he's a veteran um, and a Marine, uh, and he's joining us tonight. His name is T.J. Baudet. T.J., welcome to the show. Thank you, Frank and Axel. It's great to meet you. Congrats on the retirement and starting oh, this company. Yeah, that's awesome. So, T.J., you and I met. We worked at Boston Scientific. You know, pre-COVID, we used to see each other a little bit more at you know different you know national sales events and and you know some of our regional meetings here and there and and we got got along really well really well I'd say you're one of my favorite people that I got to work with at Boston Scientific. Can you can you just walk through kind of you know your your last few I don't know call it six months what's what's been going on because uh, and before you start I I want to give just a little. A little background. About two months ago, uh, I think it was two months. You can correct me if that's a little bit off, but I, I saw a post from TJ's on LinkedIn, and he was talking about he he ran his first ultra marathon. And usually, I'll be completely honest. Usually, when I see somebody run an ultra marathon, I'm like, all right, well, good for you. Glad you're bragging and running for for all this time. But as I was you know reading the post and you know kind of understanding where that impetus for him to run that far came from and you know how he was kind of diving into the experience afterward uh really brought me pause and you know i i reached out kind of immediately to tj and said i just kind of felt like i needed to know more about what was going on so can you just walk us through you know maybe the last six months what's been going on and you know what's new with you yeah absolutely maybe i'll take it back about a year and a half and then I'll go from there because there I had a really um, I had some events happen in my life that were kind of like a rock bottom. And from that rock bottom, I just started to build. But about a year and a half ago, I was I was working full time at Boston Scientific. Great company, great team. I was enrolled in a full time MBA program and I was watching the images of the Afghan withdrawal all over the news for an entire month. And as you mentioned, I was in the Marines for eight years and that was once my life's purpose. Like that's what that's what I knew I was going to do growing up. Uh, and that's what I did. So once I realized 
in the Marines that I wasn't going to find this fulfillment that I was looking for because I was striving externally. I transitioned to the corporate world and I was working in an MBA program and watching what was once my life's purpose just crumbling in front of my eyes. So I really just started struggling. I was in a dark place, suicidal thoughts, even though I was showing up to work every day with a smile on my face, I really wasn't in a good place. Then my ex-wife and I, we separated. So I was by myself for the first time in eight years. And I was like, okay, I know I can go back to TJ in my early 20s, partying, except now with a little bit more money in my pocket. Or I could really look inside myself and start to figure this out. But I didn't know how to do that. So I just started running. And one day I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to run 30 miles today didn't tell anyone. I just took off running and it was ugly. Like after mile 16, I was like, I don't even think I could run anymore, but it didn't matter. Like on that day, I would have crawled across the finish line. So I finished like over six hours. Like it was really slow, but I felt good for the first time in a long time. And I was like, no matter what else happens in my life, I have this, this is a foundation to build. And then I looked into more self growth type things like meditation. I read The Power of Now. I went camping by myself in nature for four days, and I really started to have some breakthroughs with meditation. It's like, oh, okay, there's more to this. I could keep going deeper within myself. Ran an ultra marathon. I went solo camping again. I used some psychedelics, and that entire year of growth, and I'm happy to dive in more into any of those experiences, but those enti- that entire year of growth really helped me focus on where I wanted to spend my energy, what was draining me, and what fills my cup. So that's where the impetus to leave Boston Scientific, leave the corporate world, and step into this, which is helping others, coaching, still kind of flowing into it, but that's the general direction that I've been going. That's that's awesome. I mean, I think that's such a good and we were talking about it you and i a couple weeks ago just how you know taking that first step you you know literally taking that first step of of that first run and how impactful those those moments really are especially when you know i i really i'm impressed that you recognize that you know after that first run of just like this is this is due and different and feels like something that i can i can hang on to exactly had you been running a lot before that? Was th- what was 30 miles compared to what your previous longest run had been? Yeah, it was like five miles, five miles, 10 miles. I think I ran 13, and then I was like, today's the day for 30. That's wild. Yeah, again, though, it was not pretty, <laughs> but it got done. Axel and I were were reminiscing about a a similar situation where we did a no train half marathon when we lived in Turkey and we ended up getting booed crossing the finish line because I I couldn't run anymore because I was cramping up after mile nine. So so you got a 30 in. Yeah, 30 is incredible. Wait, did you really get booed? Oh yes. yeah, well because they were like, they wanted us to go. Yeah, run through the finish, run through the finish, and then we just casually like walked through, and people did not like our yeah. our casualness in terms of not like finishing strong. Hey, that's one of those times where it doesn't matter what other people think. You cross the finish line. Yeah, I mean it mattered a little bit to me, but I <laughs> I thought of, in retrospect it's very funny. 
That is funny. At that point, we were so defeated because there were many people from our office who were also running. And we talked so much trash the whole, like, two weeks leading up to this run. And then we got absolutely dead last out of everyone in our office. Every single other person in our office passed us. So at that point, there was nothing, there was nothing else. That, like, it was, we were just completely defeated. And so we just had to own it and <laughs> enjoy it. I'm envisioning like the office that episode where they run the 5K for the the uh, for rabies. Yeah, rabies awareness. Yeah. Rabies awareness. Yeah, it was similar to that. Yeah. We, I mean, it, we had admittedly were a little uh, cocky because I think when we passed a couple, like w- the one guy who was kind of our biggest competitor, who was our our friend, but we were joking with him. I think Frank was like jumping over garbage cans and doing like 360s, and it was we definitely were showing off as we passed him and then uh then he quickly passed us after we cramped up and then every single other person passed us as well so yeah i mean up to mile nine we were flying we were at like seven seven thirty pace very consistent but after mile nine we we're at about 19 19 <laughs> minutes per mile so i think we might have went out drinking the night before and so that probably didn't help us yeah i'm pretty sure we did <laughs> that so. might have contributed to the cramp situation. <laughs> so let's go back to your ultra because I feel like you know you started at this thirty mile. You you noticed something special, something different. You know how did you go from the thirty to the ultra, and then just kind of walk through your experience within the ultra because it's, I mean, it's something that most people. I mean, I've run a marathon, not bragging, but. I mean, that's a really long time to run, but to run three times that, you know, like, I don't even know how many hours it took, but that is just, even the sheer amount of time that you're running, that your feet are moving, like, it gives you a lot of space to think. So can you just kind of walk us through that experience? Yes, absolutely. So I actually, I ran two ultra marathons. The first ultra I ran was in September. So I'll talk about the work up to that and then how it felt during that. But I didn't have like, I didn't have a very prescribed uh, running plan. I just kind of ran when I felt it. Like there would be days where I was like, I'm going out for five and I would feel good. So I'd stay out for 10. And then other days where it's like, maybe I'm going out for 15 today, but I wasn't feeling it. So I was like, yeah, I'll just do six. So it's just, I was just kind of like feeling my body through this entire process, trying to eat well, um, making sure I was getting enough water and sleep. Um, And I think the longest run that I did before I actually did the ultra was a 45 miler. And it was so hot in Dallas, Texas, that one night I just ran throughout the middle of the night. And uh, I actually I went out earlier that day and with some friends. I had like three beers, so nothing crazy. I got back to my apartment. I was like, I've got a good night's sleep tonight. But I knew I was going to run this 45 miler. I just didn't know when. And I couldn't sleep. So I was like, "Okay, tonight's the night. So I was laying in bed. I got my my shorts on, got my running gear on. I got a meatball hero and just started running. And I'd been running for like three hours on the Katy Trail by myself, listening to music. It was just like me, the raccoons, my thoughts, feeling pretty good. And out of nowhere, I felt like this, this like hand hit me on the shoulder. It scared the shit out of me. Like, oh my gosh. And this guy on a bicycle at like three in the morning just rode right past me, didn't even look back and just gave me the biggest thumbs up I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. and, it's hard to explain like the connection I felt in that moment 
because it was almost like he knew exactly what I was doing. Like I was looking at my own darkness, right? Like there's a reason that I was out there running at three in the morning. And it was almost like he was doing the same thing. And he just gave me a pat on the shoulder, gave me a thumbs up <laughs> and that like lit me up. So for the next two hours, I was just like kind of in disbelief and just on top of the world. Finished that 45 miler. And then, um, yeah, so my first ultra was a 100K, which is about 62 miles. And it was brutal. It was got up to 97 degrees. It was hilly. It was in two hours east of Texas. So there are some hills out there. No breeze. And um, yeah, so I was feeling pretty good. Mile zero, mile 20, mile 20, mile 30 is getting a little bit rough. Mile 30 to mile 40. That's when the, the emotions started coming. It was like mile 35. There's just tears coming down my eyes. I was like, I don't think I'm sad right now, but it's just like shedding these emotions and just kept pushing it. Mile 40 to mile 60. I was done running. I couldn't run anymore, but I was just walking my way towards the finish line. And the cutoff time was 16 hours and I finished in 15 hours and 50 minutes. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it was a brutal struggle all the way to the end. But hey, cross the finish line. So. That's amazing. The, my mind, like, I'm like, how did you, how did your phone have enough battery for that entire <laughs> race? That's where my mind goes. I'm like, I'm like, I gotta think through the logistics of how you did this. Did you yeah. have a crew like giving you like snacks and food and stuff? Yeah, my best friend was out there with me. He was cheering me on, giving me snacks. I called him my hype man and my snack guy for the day. That's as important as any other job. 100%. No one could do it without him. Yeah, that's amazing. So, I, you know, I can really understand where this started from, right? Like, you, you, you take this first gigantic step, and then you keep stepping forward. Where does, where does it cross over from, you know, exercise as a part of your mental health to, you know, exploring other aspects of mental health and, you know, building out, you know, the proverbial tool toolbox that, that you need to, to stay healthy and stay locked in? Great question. So when I was in the Marines, I read the book, The Power of Now. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. I've power- heard of it. I don't think I've read it. Yeah, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And I didn't talk much about my anxiety when I was in the military, but I must have talked about it to someone enough for them to recommend this book. So I read this book and I had this moment where I was actually listening to it. I was driving and I saw the trees on the side of the highway differently than I'd ever seen it before. It was like a brief little moment of clarity. And it's like, oh, wow, that was pretty cool. And two days later, I went back to base and I had to shoot pistol. And I'd been really good at shooting up to that point, but my hands were like shaking on that day. And the negative self-talk in my head was like, oh, like you're an infantry officer. If you don't qualify as an expert, like people are going to think less of you. You'll be worthless. And that, of course, made the shaking worse. So I qualified marksman, which is like the lowest qualification you can. And I was like, whatever was in that book is not compatible with training for and going to war. So I put that out of my head. Fast forward eight years or so to this previous March, and I went back to the power of now. So it's all about presence, getting deeply into the present moment um, in meditation, 
and the power that can come from that because it's really immense and powerful. And what I realized, Frank, along this journey is everything that I'm doing, whether it be running to get into that flow state, the present moment, cold plunging, breath work, journaling, all of those things help take me to the present moment. So it's just different tools that I use to be here now rather than worrying about future problems that probably won't happen or worrying about past things that I can't change that I just need to accept. I love that. I mean, walk me through a little bit more granularly, you know, like what were the steps to to get there? I, I get it as a whole concept, but like, all right, you're running, you're feeling better. Like, when did you pull in these these other aspects? When did you start meditating? When when did that kind of click for you? You know, Axel and I, I mean, I think Axel pulled me into the meditation fold uh, maybe four years ago, five years ago when you really got into Headspace. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, we did we did a lot of work there. Um, you know, breath work, like those things take practice can you can you kind of walk us through work working up you know through you know starting that to where it really feels meaningful and like something that's required as part of your routine yes absolutely because it wasn't immediate and i didn't even know what i was looking for when i started running but it was running which i kept doing and i still do and then it was the power of now and meditation but that took a long time. It took me like five hours of sitting in the grass to actually have a breakthrough of meditation. Like I don't have five hours every day to go sit in the grass. Um, and then it was the ultra marathon. And then it was another solo camping trip where I went back to just meditation, but re- like understanding that there was more, there's more depth to me than I previously understood. So I was in the desert in Big Bend National Park for five days, no cell phone service. I brought all the food and water I needed and I just disconnected. And I was just very in tune with the rhythm of nature. And one night I was just laying underneath the stars, looking up, just focused on my breath. And it was no longer the stars that were my primary focus. It was the darkness between the stars that kind of jumped out a little bit. And my heart started beating faster. And I was like, okay, what is this? Just surrender to it, keep breathing. It's okay. I kept breathing and that darkness came and like quite literally just merged with the energy in my body or that's how it felt. And the next day I was even more in tune with the rhythm of nature. I was able to like touch plants and I was able to feel my energy flow to it and from it. And felt like I was just sending my love out like to this entire valley of bushes. There's no one else out there. It's just really deep, profound joy. It's hard to explain. But I would equate it to, I don't have kids, but when you see kids just seeing something for the first time and feeling the joy associated with that, like that's how it felt. It's like, okay, this is amazing. And then a couple weeks later, I had the opportunity to do DMT. And that was profound. And it just like clicked, like everything that I had been doing internally was real. And there was a lot to it. So from that point on, it was like a sprint to find more things that work for me. So soon thereafter, I started doing breath work and I realized that breath work takes me into the present moment a lot quicker than meditation. What takes me a couple hours and like tr- trying to meditate takes me now like 20 seconds of breath work to start getting into that and keep pushing into that. 
and then uh, cold plunging around the same time. It's, if I'm not, if I'm in my thoughts when I'm in the cold water, it's a very unpleasant experience. So it's really about feeling the energy in my body, getting out of my thoughts, focusing on my breath. And then it's really easy to stay in the cold water because I'm very present and our bodies know exactly what to do in those difficult situations. Can you describe your approach with breath work or what that, what it is? Yes. Yeah, so it's actually very simple. And there's a lot of free breathwork courses that you could do on YouTube, but the technique is belly, chest, release. And you repeat that. It's continuous. And if you do that for about five minutes, you'll start to feel some sensations in your body. Your body could start getting warmer or colder. You may start to feel some tingly sensations, but you'll start to feel the energy in your body. And then as you do that for a couple minutes, you do some breath holds. And you can just start to feel like your blood flowing through your veins and you can start to shift your awareness to different parts of your body. And becoming aware of your thoughts rather than being your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, my own experience with that, I, I feel like it's exactly what you said. It it feels like you can squeeze like a 60 minute yoga class into five minutes of breath work. Like it's it's kind of amazing how. <laughs> how little we we think about like how impactful our breathing is to our entire body but like when you actually go through and and have some focused time on it, it i mean it kind of blows your mind a little bit axel what's been your experience with headspace and meditation i i well when i was deployed uh, let's see, I'm not sure when that, maybe in 2014, I I did it nearly every day. Uh, I had a, like, kind of a funny story in that I had, like, a 200-day streak or something going, and then I, I waited a little longer in the day, and I realized it must have been, like, going off of UTC time or something, but it basically, like, I lost my streak because I didn't, but, but I knew I had still maintained my streak because like at least in my local time zone. And so I called up Headspace. I'm like, hey, I lost my streak, but I'm really sure like I I'm I, I had my streak. Can you restore it somehow? The woman's like, no, there's no way for us to restore it. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll have to meditate on this lost streak. It was probably better that I lost the streak because it was, I was really focused on it. But I did that for a long time. And I, I felt like it was uh, very helpful and help and um but helped you focus on the present moment and i really enjoyed it and then i probably need to get back into it i have there have been periods where i've done it more and then done it less and then ultimately it's probably just about prioritizing the time to do it uh and finding finding the time so uh i do think that like in some ways i also do like lifting like some exercise and i think can d provide similar benefits when you're just like focus on exercising so uh i hope that maybe like that is replacing it a little bit but i would like to go back to although i'm very interested in uh breath like the breath work approach yeah and that's the thing there's no one way into the present moment it's not like you have to do this or that it's whatever works for you i think the important aspect of it is with intention like if exercise if lifting is your thing it's like yeah i'm gonna lift and I'm not going to worry about what I have to do afterwards. I'm just going to focus on the weight that's going up and down. Mm -hmm. 
So let me ask you this. I I love how you just said that. Where where do you think the kind of the focus for you shifted from, you know, your own mental health to finding ways to help other people and and really honing this idea of present mindedness? I just don't think this is discussed. I think we compartmentalize our lives so much into our work lives and our home lives and faith and friends. Sometimes I was like, wait, what, okay, who am I showing up as right now? And I think that's a huge aspect of mental health. Like I, I was never diagnosed with mental health conditions. I just knew I had anxiety and I knew that I had depression. I knew if I went to talk to someone about it, I could easily get put on medication. Um, so just when I saw the news in front of me about the fall of Afghanistan, what I thought I needed was someone in a position of power to tell the truth. What I realized that I needed was to find my own truth. And as I found my own truth, I can I started to fill my own cup first. And then it's that overflow that's coming into the world, just being attuned to my energy, what fills my cup and what doesn't and helping others and connecting with other people, especially other people who are dealing with similar challenges that I've been through, like a divorce or transition from the military or struggling to find fulfillment in the corporate world. It's like, yeah, let's have real conversations about this because your feelings are valid and you don't have to pretend that everything is okay if you don't feel that everything's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, more applicable now than ever. I mean, I think with with COVID especially and, you know, the stress and isolation and anxiety that <clears throat> that are really produced and even some ongoing challenges of just like transitioning to work from home and not seeing as, as many people and not getting some of the interaction that, like you said, fills that fills that cup of energy. I mean, there's there's a lot of people, myself included, who, you know, didn't really experience any sort of depression pre-COVID that, you know, we don't have the skills, we don't have the toolbox in place and, you know, don't even really understand what's going on um, until, like you said, you can get to a, a really dark place. So, I mean, I think I think it's incredibly I mean, it's great timing. It's it's a wonderful thing. And I, I think whether people are military or we're in the military, I, th- I think it can be super helpful to to anybody. So, I mean, I guess when you think about where you're headed in the future, you know, like what what ways do you do you want to get your your message out there? How do you want to connect with people? That is a great question. The future. <laughs> the future so i'm trying to just stay as ask somebody on present mindedness about their future yeah that's that's not yeah i was about to make a joke about that but i'm not going to um no i really am trying to flow into this with the purest energy possible i mean i quit my job about a month and a half ago and i'm just kind of letting this flow and build so the way i see this going is starting with one-on-one coaching which I'm going to start doing. I've been doing um, just in casual conversations, but more formally doing that in the weeks ahead. And then maybe like group cohort type coaching. And I would love to set up a retreat in nature where men can come out, do cold plunging, do breath work, and just be in nature, eating healthy food, feeling the healing energy in nature together. I think that will be super powerful. So 
we'll we'll see uh we'll see if that manifests at some point that'd be awesome you'll you'll have to send me the dates on on that when when it comes to fruition for sure because that would be that would be excellent it would Uh be excellent yeah axel anything bouncing around your head i'm i'm curious like what not to get into like your whole like too much into your plans but what's your what is your how are you finding your one-on-one coaching clients and how are you uh, reaching out to different people and to build this community this is where it's just the wildest thing is because i just started speaking my truth like working through my own fears of what other people will think of me tj as i share this about mental health and struggles and i just started pushing it out there and i've realized that as you do that as you hold space in your own truth the people and the connections and the doors that are meant to open will come to you and the doors will in fact open like frank we wouldn't have reconnected if i didn't start putting stuff out there and the conversations we've had over the past week have been awesome it's just genuine connection um so axel that's basically how it's happened it's just some some things i say resonate with some people it's like wait what are you talking about like i feel that way too and and that's how it that's how it goes i love that i feel like that's the uh I I love when we have people on that are, I would say, the opposite of how often we get like into very practical logistics on this podcast. Like I I love the idea of just this energy flow and openness to the world because, I mean, I know for a fact Axel and I are both thinking of like how can we SEO this as a concept and get the most most click throughs and on Google for for sure. I can already see the wheels turning, Axel. Then I, well, then the other thing I'm like curious about is, what how how do you? Because I I understand living in the moment, but how do you like? There has to be some sort of like planning or like establishing like a process, or how do you think about like figuring out generally the the direction you want to go and being able to like move towards that versus just like uh, or are you are you more of the mindset of like completely go with the flow? Well, I have my deepest truth and my North Star. Okay. So everything I do is working towards that. And essentially what that North Star is, is one, when I was in my DMT experience, it's like, I should, should we get into that a little bit? Yeah, like absolutely. Actually, the psychedelic experience? Okay. Yeah. So I did DMT and I was just like in the canvas of existence, like everything and nothing. And it's hard to explain. But when I came back from that, one, it solidified all the work I was doing to like become the observer of my thoughts, not be my thoughts. But I was like, how the material world got built only makes sense that it was built with with love, with love in it. And I feel like a medium in which to allow love to pass through the canvas into the material and vice versa. So like that's it's that simple. Like just be aware of my ego to let love pass through. And I, so that's one aspect of it. Then the other aspect is I realized that as I was able to kind of reform pathways in my own brain and overcome the fear that's associated with limiting beliefs, that if I can do that individually and help inspire others that are dealing with mental health issues to overcome their limiting beliefs, work through their own fears, then collective 
beliefs can also be influenced. And there's just tiny little ripples, tiny little ripples that go out and we have no control over how far those ripples go or if they go nowhere at all. But I do believe that a better world is possible just by looking internally first. And I mean, I, I can get like get into Christianity too because I am a Christian. I believe what Jesus said is the truth. But I think sometimes, at least the way I learned it growing up, it's it's very misconstrued in in my opinion. And whereas looking inward first, when we learn how to remove the plank from our own eye to see clearly how to remove it from from our brother's eye, I believe it's just to love ourselves and then love them. How do you feel about this analogy? I'm going to throw it at you. Are you could you think of yourself like you're you're coaching people in a rage room where, you know, like there's all these walls and just junk in the way and you're just trying to hand them that sledgehammer to bust through all that junk. Is that is that a fair analogy? Is that too violent? (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Hand them, it's like, yeah, providing them the tools, providing them the tools to work through those roadblocks. And I think that analogy works, but perhaps, but the tools are also a form of like deep surrender. It's like intense surrender. So maybe shifting that analogy a little bit to the tools to when the world around us seems to be so chaotic and noisy, just to find that peace. But it's the same end state, finding that inner peace to break through those roadblocks to keep flowing forward. So, TJ, one thing that brings up that comes up in my head is just thinking through the times when I felt the most joy and most at peace. And a lot of those memories are actually, you know, most vivid in times of like longer runs or, you know, specifically, I I remember running in. Iraq when I was there and you know I'm running in a fairly dangerous place and and yet while I'm I'm in this zone and and locked in on this run it it's all blocked out and I'm just feeling like you said what what is just happening now um so you know can you walk through you know you've you've had kind of these peaks um of of feeling present of getting more into this idea of energy flow. Can you walk us through, you know, cause not everything is this, this, the highest of highs. Can you, can you walk us through kind of the daily grind? Because it, to me, that's, what's always, always the hardest part of like getting into a routine and, and really staying in a stable place. Um, can you just kind of walk us through, you know, that what the day to day looks like and can you walk through, I, I guess some of those lows that you've experienced, um, you know, after the highs. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> because the daily routine is everything. You don't have to run 10, 20, 30 miles to get there. You don't have to go solo camping for five days. You don't have to do psychedelics to get there. It's all in the little daily routines. So for me, that's waking up, cold shower first thing. And then I'll write out a couple things that I'm grateful for and just start journaling. Just let it flow. And I try to do those two things plus plus uh, stretching or a little bit of breath work before I look at my phone. It's like, all right, now I'm ready to come into the world. Um, 
And those routines are so important because they remind me exactly who I am. So when when waves of negative emotions hit me through the day, it's like, all right, I have that foundation that I've built over time to build that trust with myself that I strengthened this morning. I'm not going to get over. I'm not going to try to hide from these negative emotions. I'm not going to escape them with alcohol, porn, binge watching TV. I mean, I still have my days where like I'll binge watch movies, but by and large, it's being aware of things that I used to use as escapes, not using those and just sitting in those emotions. Because at the end of the day, the valleys, those negative emotions, they're coming. We can't. I think one of the issues I used to struggle with is I was looking for happiness. And now what I'm looking for is fulfillment. So those daily routines are fulfilling. They're hard, but they're fulfilling. And when those negative emotions come, I let them come. I welcome them. And then they're just emotions. And by acknowledging that, they dissipate. And I think that's where real freedom is, is not trying to stay in the highs, is accepting the lows when they come as well, because they're just as important. And it's all part of the human experience. That's awesome. Axel, did you have a couple follow-ups on on this overall concept? I'm curious, uh, like, what do you, so when I am mountain biking or skiing, I get in the flow state and it's like, I'm, uh, forget everything else. I'm only focused on what I'm on is how is that different than, uh, like meditating, like, or what's the, cause in some ways I'm like, I don't have, I don't even think about like all these thoughts that I'm not, trying to not, um, like grab onto. And so how is that different than like sitting with your thoughts and, and trying to let them pass by? I think it's the same. I think it's that flow state. And that's what this work is. It's working to get back to where staying in that flow state, except you don't necessarily have to go skydiving to get into that flow state. You could do it right from your couch. You don't necessarily have to be on the slopes going down it to get there. But that's that's exactly it, Axel, that flow state. Cool. What is so I want to go back to um your, so you mentioned that you quit your job and that you're all in on your uh, current path. What what uh, do you have any worries about what like your next job will be or what your next path is? What's what's kind of your idea there? Yes, the fear definitely comes. The worry definitely comes. But this inner work, I've been able to work through any fear that I have down to my source and then move forward anyway. So stepping into this, it really is just so much faith that by stepping into our truth, our most creative self, fully expressed, embodied, whatever you want to say, that the universe will work for it and the right path will open up in front of us. And even though we can't see the whole path, it's like, okay, there's the next step. I'm ready to take this next step. Oop, that was a misstep. That didn't feel good. Let's hold here for a second and reassess. And it's just kind of stepping off the path that I was on and creating one. But knowing that the one I'm creating, I don't know what the destination is, but I know it's going to be perfect because it's perfect right now. Yeah, and I think I I think I saw it on one of your recent posts, just talking through, you know, worst case scenarios. Um, I mean, 
I think so many of our fears are rooted in in that worst case scenario. And can, can you walk through like that specific idea and emotion and, you know, how you're you're handling it today? Yes. And so much of that is being able to drown out the noise and stay rooted, because when you tell people like, hey, I'm going to quit my job, like telling my family that they're like, what are you going to do for money? It's like, I don't know, but it's going to be okay. Like, I know it's going to be okay, And it's just a natural reaction for people, for myself and other people around me to think like. Instead of thinking of how good it can be, it's like, oh, my gosh, all the reasons it's unsafe. I'm going to reflect this back at you right now. So it really is being able to just keep at a distance what needs to be kept at a distance and knowing that this is something I believe in deeply. So we're going to go with it. And even if it, quote unquote, fails, which success and failure is all relative anyway, but even if it fails, it's a learning experience. And then guess what? Like I have an MBA. I could buy a small business and and do that. Like I'll always be able to figure it out. But for right now, like this is this is where I'm going. I love that. I mean, I think so many so many opportunities are missed because of that fear. Um, And I think to to hold in your mind even just the equation of joy and happiness versus security um, and safety. You know what I mean? Like to me, joy and happiness and levity in your spirit, you know, that wins out every single day. So I just I I'm very appreciative of, you know, getting to to interact and chat and see your see your posts because they they do for me, you know, bring me that that levity whenever you post to just kind of see that that lightness of your spirit. So I just I, I want to thank you for that. And Frank, I want to thank you as well, because we've started having these just very open conversations. And in so many ways, you're helping me step further forward, putting out guideposts. I was like, yeah, I haven't thought about that. I think you used the term uncomfortably adjacent to where I was going. I was like, yeah, adjacent to it, like communicate with different people along the way. So thank you as well for your guidance and friendship. Yeah, absolutely. Axel, you have any other questions? Uh, so what is your favorite way of communicating with people? Like, are, is it through like, are, are you, do you like to write and communicate or audio or what's your, what do you think, uh, at least right now, what's your preferred method of getting your word out? Just one-on-one in person, and but that is just one-on-one. So social media, I'm trying to creatively express myself in different ways through some videos, some carousels, some longer writings, uh, and I'm just kind of seeing what lands. But more so than that, what feels the best as I'm doing it, because I think that's going to bring back the people that that I connect with the most. So. I guess to be determined on that. I'm kind of trying it all right now. Yeah, and I think probably the one like one on ones are helpful because you can see what resonates with people and what 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 you're explaining is probably hard for people to grasp. And so using different analogies one on one, you can figure out okay, this one seems to work. Uh, this one I'm, I'm trying to use this one and they didn't really understand that uh, that analogy. So I think probably getting some some reps in the one on one. Uh, arena probably helps you uh, refine your message. 
hundred percent. A lot of it too, when I'm having these conversations is it's me helping them and them helping me. It's a two way street, but it's like figuring out like, why are you drawn to this message? What about it? And then what's the commonality between the different people that I'm talking to and then continuing to drive forward with a more tailored focus, focused message. Yeah. That's awesome. So if people want to like follow along with your journey and kind of uh, learn more about what you're working on, uh, what's the best place to to uh, check it out? Yes. Yeah, so Instagram, holy human, holy like W-H-O-L-L-Y human. Um, that's a great place to follow along. LinkedIn, TJ Bodet, Facebook, TJ Bodet. And I'm working on my website. So that will soon be beholyhuman.com. But we're not there yet. Love it. Awesome. Well, thanks we'll so much for being on the show. Yeah. yeah, it'll absolutely be on the show notes. But but thanks so much for being there. Um, do you have anything else to add? No, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Frank, thank you for your friendship. Axel, great to meet you. And congrats again. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks so much. I mean, I love the fact that you came on here and we're talking about filtering out the noise because, you know, seven years ago, that's what kind of kind of started it all. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. So that was awesome. <clears throat> really glad that we could be your first podcast that you've been on, and I'm sure many more in the future. But with that, I'm signing off now. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. Uh, check out TJ, follow him, and learn how to live more in the present. Love it.